Welcome to Champagne Problems. We're your hosts, Robbie Shaw and Charlotte Cameron. Thank you for joining us on this journey as we explore our mental health, well-being, performance, and longevity, and how our relationships with alcohol can influence each. No shame, no labeling, no judgment, just curiosity. Welcome back, my friends. Today, we're in everybody's studios speaking with Faye Bebahani, founder of Bond Buzz. Bond Buzz is an alcohol-free social spirit delivering the natural power of adaptogens, nootropics, and amino acids for social hype and lucid moments. Faye lived much of her life in London until moving to Los Angeles about eight years ago to pursue her dreams. And as you will learn here shortly, her dreams are coming true. Let's go to Faye. Faye Bebahani, welcome to Champagne Problems. Thank you so much for having me, Robbie and Charlotte. Of course. Yeah, we're happy you're here. <laughs> we are very excited that you're here. We are very appreciative that you made the trip. You've got two very large advocates uh, <laughs> in Charlotte and her husband, Parker. Uh, they true. they have been telling me about Bond Buzz because it's not sold much around here, so I haven't come across it, but they've been telling me about the beverage. I've tried it. I love it. I'm very excited about it. We can talk on the side about <laughs> anything that could transpire out of my excitement, um, but more so they've talked about you and they talk about your personality and your mission and your grind and 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 kind of your premise on on how you got to this mission and and that is what we're excited to talk about. Definitely the grind and yeah, you you have to have the mission to be able to support the grind. So That's right. <laughs> you're uh, fully in the throes of entrepreneurship, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love it. Love it. All right. Well, we're going to get to know you real quick. Some rapid fire questions. First live music concert and where? First live music concert was Spice Girls. <laughs> um, the the world tour in 1998. I think I was 12 at the time. Tell me um, it was at Wembley. It was in Wembley. Yes! Exactly. <laughs> um, and it was just electric. Wow. I mean, five women dancing and Just being super it. spicy on stage. Like, so what could a 12-year-old want? More than More, that. Exactly. I agree. It was one of my first concerts, and I, you know, you guys always ask, and it's, like, really music people, and I'm always right. like, I'm Spice Girls. Spice Girls. Avril <laughs> Lavigne was my other first concert, maybe. You know, I was like, oh, gosh. So I'm happy to hear you say that. <laughs> Thank you. Spice Girls is a phenomenal one. I have not seen them, but I would have loved to. <laughs> oh. It was. That's history. Yeah. Collector's yeah. items. Like, we were so into it. Oh, for sure. They're iconic. You yes. know, they're like part of British history. Yeah. yeah I mean, they are definitely. Yeah. Really? So, yeah. yeah. All right. What can really make you lose your temper? Just lose your shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to give one answer to this. <laughs> yeah. Um, top 10. <laughs> but I think people that believe their own bullshit. Mm. Um, is something that like Mm. activates me because I think that we all have to be kind of open to seeing our faults, flaws, shortcomings, and that makes us better humans for the whole. Mm -hmm. And when someone is so dead set, like I just find it really hard to, it, it thwarts progression in any way. And I think it's, yeah, it's, it just doesn't, it, it just, it's just very triggering to me, especially yeah. if like the BS is untrue, which a lot of, you know, I mean, oh, yes. yeah. 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 No, That's I agree. It's hard to sit in that space with somebody and you're like, this is not real. Yeah. 
And how, you really live how, in that space. How have you created this to be the truth that Your you reality. actually believe? Right. Yeah. Right. And yeah. So, well, and, you know, being in the kind of psych world, we, we discuss that stuff a lot. I mean, it's it's a lot of self-awareness, but it's also perception of other people's awareness and the lack of is yeah. kind of what you're talking totally. about. And it's totally. just like, how do you really think that I would accept that statement? <laughs> right. Yeah. What outdoor view or scenery gives you the most contentment? Uh, this is another hard question to answer in one response. Um, to be honest, I was an ocean view kind of gal, mm-hmm. um, but I do think the mountains provide me so much peace and harmony. I think there's just stillness in the mountains that doesn't exist in the ocean, you know, even though- the quiet. The, yeah, yeah, the quiet, and I love to be in the mountains. That is where I feel the most grounded and um, connected. Yeah. And so, I don't know. So ideally, I would have views of both. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Right. Well, yeah. California gives exactly. you a little bit of that. No. That's true. But um, I think over time, it's it, and I've been fortunate to have an ocean view uh, when I was living in, grew up in Spain. So I haven't had the mountain view, mm. and I think something left to be desired. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? I never think about that—the stillness, because there's a peace at the ocean, oh. but it's definitely not a stillness. No. It can be really kind of dramatic. Yeah. And, um, bring up like it's it's emotional. Yeah. yeah. It's like constantly there's a, there's like digging of, from the bottom. And yeah. a lack of control. Out yeah. There. It's very. Yeah. Uh, it can be scary. Yeah. Totally. I used to talk about the mountains in that way, and how I could hear my heartbeat in my eardrums like it's so quiet you can hear the the silence is deafening and I love that when I there are places like for example in Ojai that are kind of more deep in deep into you know the the mountains that you can like hear the soft wind you know and it's just like so crazy like (laughs) you're in the middle of like southern California and like you still are able to hear wind like you don't hear wind in LA like mm, unless right. it's you know the wildfire that's like <laughs> created a lot of right. uh, yeah. chaos yeah. <laughs> yeah. but it's like this soft wind it's just yeah it's mm. just magical <laughs> um, alright we shared a couple meals recently here I feel like I should have known this by now but what is your favorite guilty pleasure food favorite guilty pleasure food is probably a ramen slash like a, a pho, like a noodle, um, a noodle oh, yeah. soup. Yeah. I say guilty because every time I have it, I'm the type of person that will finish the whole broth. <laughs> like every, every like spoonful. Lift exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I get sodium hangovers the next Ooh, day. Like puffy, puffy. Everything is just my eyelids are like puffy. I and, um, so I try to really go for it if, Things are really tough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just know it's there if you really need it's it. It's there if yeah. I really need it. Yeah. Um, but I can't, yeah, it's it's not something I can do every month even. It's like a yeah. once every six months type thing. Mm. Yeah. I like that, yeah. Because it's not a junk food, but it's riddled with sodium. Totally, <laughs> totally. Right. That's why I'm so attracted to it. Me too, yeah. me too. If you could know the answer to any question in the universe, what would you ask? I would want humanity to be guided on 
know knowing like how to lead the most meaningful life mm -hmm. uh, that's not a question mm, but, but you could say how do you do that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how do you do that am i on the right path am i doing the things that you know will facilitate my me looking back and being like i did it right did it. you know yeah. like no i have regrets. no regrets yeah. and um yeah i'd like to i i guess we kind of do have a sense that we're doing yeah. those things like there's synchronicities, alignment, um, hand on heart, like meditation, mm -hmm. you know, mindfulness. Yeah. Just you kind of know whether you're on the right track when you're engaging in activities or, you know, career, you know, career ventures that um, kind of are validated. Yeah. But I just want us to I think so many of us question ourselves awesome. and to have the answers or to to have the answer might make it less exciting and less interesting <laughs> in life that's right life yeah. less worth living yeah. but um I think the 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 synchronicity is like give me those signs you know? yeah. yeah show me the signs yeah. that's probably do and you, I can do that do you, yeah you, there are <laughs> things in your power but do you think that I mean, I'm curious what the desire for that answer, do you think it's because it would allow us to have some peace in how we proceed, or do you think we would actually, as humans, behave differently if we had? I think if we had the answers, or, or not the answers, but like at least signs, um, we would be, yeah, definitely more peaceful. But there's also like, life is so short. Mm. We really... You know, I think when we're growing up, we feel like as, you know, young teens to early adulthood, we feel like we can make anything happen that we want. And truly anything is possible to create, which I do think is true. But those things do take away from other things like mm. that you potentially could be focusing on, like your decisions do make an impact yeah. on what you ultimately can can do in your life so time is a finite resource yeah. and I think what I, there's a book called signs that my friends have been kind of recommending and they were saying each person has like kind of a different sign that shows up mm. so one of them has like balloons so whenever she's whenever she sees balloons she kind of knows that <laughs> she's on yeah that she's yeah. on like she's on the path I should be here yeah, yeah exactly right here. yeah and the other one was had like oranges as their sign I'm like oranges what the hell <laughs> and they were like spends no, no, a lot no. of time in the produce section <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and they were like no there was this one time they were at uh I don't know some conference and there was a, a display of oranges that was just like so wild <laughs> and you know, it was yeah. like that kind in an, of in an, thing. In an unexpected, unexpected situation or setting. Grand, yeah. A grand display of oranges <laughs> yeah. that like, oh you would never see. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been trying to, actually on this trip, I've been thinking about what that is for me. Um, I, I saw a butterfly on our boat ride yesterday. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, hmm, that, I, I think they're really magical. Yeah. Um, and whenever I see a butterfly, it kind of gives me a funny feeling. Mm. Yeah. Um, like I'm just in awe yeah, <laughs> of yeah. how beautiful and free and light and liberated this 
insect is. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, that could be it. <laughs> and that, I mean, like the change throughout its life to get to that point, mm-hmm. obviously. And it's very short-lived, <laughs> so talk about timing. Let's learn a little more about you and kind of your, your history and your context and your, your journey up to where you are now. Um, we don't have to go too deep and too long, but where are you from? Where'd you grow up kind of thing? Yeah, so my parents are from the Middle East, um, but grew up in London. And I, uh, between London and Spain, actually, my, my dad lived in Spain. So really kind of multicultural upbringing, mm. uh, ended up studying law, practicing law and very quickly realizing like, this is not for me. <laughs> I do not fit this mold, um, moved into advertising and then, um, corporate advertising and realized like, I really want to create something that has like a positive impact on this world and humanity. And when I was 27, I fell in love with surfing. I went surfing for the first time in the UK, which is a very unusual, unusual, unheard of. But uh, it was, I think it was my 27th birthday. And I took a bunch of friends and we just went to uh, Bude in Cornwall, which is, there's like a little bit of surf there sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it was just so fun. Uh, and I realized I wanted to live in a place that would allow me to surf when I wanted to and access nature more. And London is a concrete jungle, so it just felt really hard being there the whole time and not being able to feel grounded and connected to nature, which is so important for me right now. Kind of quit my advertising job and moved to Portugal for a couple of months in the south of Portugal, which is where my mum and, and stepdad live. And then got a call from my cousin and she was like, I'm living in Orange County. Why don't you come check it out? The mountains are here. The ocean's here. <laughs> the surfing is outrageous. Yeah. yeah. And if you if you like it, figure out a way to make it your home. And that was it. I came wow. within 24 hours. I, I decided. I was like, I'm going to make this my home. And wow. that was and of the end, the beginning of the end. <laughs> Holy moly. And how long have you been there now, in, in California now? Eight years. Yeah, okay. just over eight years, actually. And um, still in Orange County? Four years in Orange. I spent four years in Orange County, Dana Point. It was such a drastic lifestyle change, but exactly what I wanted. I went from London, essentially, which there, you know, the, the pace is super fast. Um, productivity is everything like a young, vibrant city at Metropolis to Dana Point, which is retired community, really slow surf town. Uh, mm. And it, I just got to surf every morning and, and every evening after work, and it's exactly what I needed. Um, and then I I kind of realized that I needed a bit more energy you yeah. know, after four <laughs> years. And it, it, it's been happening. Every four years I kind of go through this, like, desire for change stimulation mm. like environmental and yeah something um new. yeah something new so i i then moved to la after after my four years in dana point today's episode is sponsored by athletic brewing company america's leading non-alcoholic craft brewer have you been thinking about cutting back on alcohol but still aren't sure if near beers are for you check out athletic brewing the most decorated non-alcoholic brewer in the world Athletic produces a wide selection of great-tasting brews, including IPAs, Goldens, Darks, Lights, Sours, and more. 
Their non-alcoholic beers have won over 70 awards and are fit for all time, so you can drink them anytime and anywhere. Now you can enjoy great tasting craft brews all night long and still be ready for whatever life throws at you tomorrow. Right now, new Athletic customers can receive 20% off their first order when they visit athleticbrewing.com and use the code CP20 at checkout by August 31st, 2023. All right, so the alcohol-free space that you are now in, personally or, or professionally? No, alcohol light, personally. Yes. I did go through um, years of abstinence yeah um and again much like my <laughs> desire for stim like just mental and like stimulation uh i whenever i say I i'm rebellious by nature so if i ever say i am something i end up doing the opposite <laughs> yeah, pretty right. much like 365 days later or I something yeah. so, so i really don't like to, i really don't like to label you know just because yeah. i feel like i'm such a fluid per like i'm so fluid i know that i'm adaptive by nature and um who knows tomorrow tomorrow might be different yeah. um I went vegan for six months, mm -hmm. um, thought it was going to be forever, and uh, yeah, it's just... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, let's go. I'm, I'm curious yep. to go back into that a little bit more. So alcohol is something that was present and utilized in your early adulthood, yes, safe to say? Yes, young youth, I would say. Young youth, okay. 13. Okay. The tender age of 13 is when I started and my community, when we were living in Spain... They're pretty liberal, yeah. yeah. You know, like you, you tend to start drinking. To be honest, at the dinner table with yeah. your parents, mm -hmm. even in the UK, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, when I was thirteen, you know, there was a kind of a tumultuous time in my young teenage years, and uh, and alcohol was liberation, yeah, for me. Yeah. Um, so I started really young, and unfortunately, when you're 13, you don't feel anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You are literally invincible. Death is not even an option. Not um, on the radar. Yeah. yeah, it's not on the radar. We actually don't have the, I, I think p that part of the brain that understands death is not developed until you're 25 or something. Yeah. Um, but it. It really wasn't until I was in my mid-twenties where I truly could recognize that alcohol was a massive constraint in my life. And I think that that came about through my journey to mindfulness. I started, I started to practice meditation when I was about 26. Mm not really knowing what I was doing, but I was doing a lot of yoga at the time and I found a lot of peace in the silence. And so I naturally like moved into meditation as, um, I, I was just seeking answers, you mm -hmm. know, and the answers weren't, I wasn't able to find them in, in the society that I was living in, especially in London where pub culture mm. is so pervasive. Yeah. Honestly, going back, uh, post-pandemic, I just, and I think after having been in California for eight years, it's like, there are, there's a pub every three doors, mm -hmm. you know, and it's amazing now that you have options 
like um, there's a brand uh, called uh, Lucky Saints in, mm. in England. And they're on tap everywhere, alcohol free. <clears throat> really? Oh, they, they come in a little green can? Is that the one? No, no. Okay. no. Um, but but yeah, they've, they're they on every menu and they now have their own pub. Really? <laughs> yes. Oh, so, that's great. But they're on tap, you know, and it's like, it's just so cool to see because, you know, the, Europe has kind of adopted this alcohol free yeah. um, category. Mm-hmm. Much, you know, it, it kind of started there and has yeah. matured a little faster, yeah. mm. even though the US is catching up I mean, incredibly. But um, yeah, so mindfulness was sort of the way that got me to my realization that alcohol was the negative force in my life. And and from there, I was on a meditation retreat in Northern California, the Center for Expanding Light. And I saw a woman, we were in, you know, sharing in these like really vulnerable circles. It was New Year's Eve. And every time this woman spoke, I didn't know who she was. I was just magnetized by her. Mm. And at the end of the three-day meditation retreat, she was like, um, hi, my name is, you know, blah, and I'm an alcoholic. And I was just like, oh, that's why, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so anyway, I just, that was what I needed to to stop drinking. And, um, and I'm my best when I'm alcohol-free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Whenever I drink, I, we were speaking about this, like yeah. I'm super sensitive. I just, like, I'm five foot two, I'm small. I, the way I metabolize alcohol is really different from other people. So a glass of wine will just, I will feel 50% the next day. Mm. And yeah, but there's no denying that alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> it does what it sets out to do, yeah, right? It does, it does what, what it sets out to do yeah, in right. microdosing, yeah. which we've never been able to figure out with alcohol on a sustained basis. And um, and also, it's a tiny window. It's like a five-minute window of bliss. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's right. Right. So, and then it does the opposite. Of, the deficit of what is it, much longer. Yeah, lasting, the deficit yeah. is longer, it, and it... It stimulates and then it depresses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. you know, as you're sharing that, it's it's a lot of these lights were going off and a lot of these uh, um, kind of self-awareness stuff was going off. Where does that come from for you? Because you grew up in London, pub culture, every few blocks. That's your childhood growing up. How did How did that other piece come in? That kind of almost Western holistic kind of view of yeah. life. Why was that so powerful in, in changing your path? A lot of us get to spirituality through suffering. And 100%. I think it was the suffering that propelled me to find paths that weren't what society was pushing in the environment that I was living in. And those paths were like Eastern philosophies and, you know, the yogas and the meditation, you know, a lot of like God, the God, I said East. Western, didn't I? But, but, Damn but, it. But, but, <laughs> it is, but, but a lot of it has been, right. you know, Westernized and we've made it. I mean, we're not monks. We're, we're not going to be able sure. to, you know, I, if you are a monk, then you can do, you can live that ascetic life, but we don't live that way. And so it's unreasonable for us to like 
meditate like monks, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and I actually heard this from Emily Fletcher, who I um, mm. was listening to the podcast yeah. that you did with her, uh, which was amazing. Um, but yeah, I, I ultimately, I think it was the suffering and then um, being really kind of curious as to why I was experiencing this pain. Because even though I a lot of times did drink a lot more than, sure. you know, my the, the people in, my, in the, the group that I was with at the time, but a lot of times I didn't. It was the same amount, but I would experience this emotional, physical, spiritual death mm. that others, when I would ask them, would not feel. Huh. The only way I knew how was to go inside. Like, it was, like, an intuitive thing. And that coupled with, I don't know, I was, like, you know, 26, 27. You're really, you know, you're past the age where you can... I think at that age, like, if you're not curious, like, you might pass the window of curiosity, you know, mm -hmm. like, the window yeah. of curiosity. At least yeah. that's that was my experience. And so the surfing, the, you know, and... and because London is so concrete, I think I was just like itching. I was mm. like itching for something different. Um, and and yeah, uh, I think, yeah, that's, that's kind of how it came about. Gotcha. <laughs> Pain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pain, looking for a solution that was different than what you already, I mean, you had this life the city something different that might provide openings for answers and then yeah. an innate does like I think part of it is innate sometimes right and the answers like did not exist in the culture mm. that I was surrounded you know that I was surrounded by like the only way I would have got to understand like the only way I realized that alcohol was holding me back was through meditation because when you shut everything off you know, it, you start to, you can actually hear yourself. That's right. <laughs> you can hear that, like, true voice almost. Yeah. And the feeling and... Um, you hear the truth. The truth. Yeah. yeah. And it's really hard to meditate when you're hungover. Mm. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it was like this inherent, because I, I would literally, like, yeah, drink the night before and then try and meditate and just, like, feel so much worse. That, uh, that I couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. so, you, you're so disconnected from truth mm. yeah. um, and hazy and, you know, all of the things. So, yeah. Um, mindfulness for everyone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no question. <laughs> well, so was it, so there was a period where you didn't drink at all and now you're sort of, you said light, light alcohol. When you first founded Bond Buzz, were you drinking, not no, drinking, not drinking? Not at all. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so Bond Buzz was founded at the same time that I was, I, well, I was working for the for the vodka company oh. <laughs> that I've since <laughs> exited. Yeah. Um, really hard, I was saying, to sling vodka and um, be alcohol free. Yeah. Uh, and it just felt very. Um, dissonant you know with what I was with what I my truth mm -hmm. so uh when Bomba started I was just like uh, well the reason it started it was because I wanted 
I wanted to have options for myself. And yeah. I wanted, and I was experimenting with nootropics for, you know, my peak performance. Mm. And I was like, well, these things make me feel more connected and make me feel really good and alive. Mm. So why not incorporate incorporate them in a beverage format where people are in the social arena, they're looking for a state change. People, in my opinion, yes, they drink for taste, but a lot of people drink to heighten their senses and change their state. Um, and and bomb buzz is sort of a different way to get buzzed, you know? And that's kind of, yeah, that's what we set out to do. Yeah. And we still have people saying that, we're expecting Bombas to get them drunk. <laughs> like, really? Yeah. Just no, it's not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not going to do that. No. But it was very much started when I was um, completely alcohol free and during the peak pandemic when, when people were, you know, slowing down, I was like, oh, this is my window. This yeah. is mm -hmm. my opportunity. And it was really early on, like, we had completed the formulation in November of 2019. I was still kind of doing both the vodka and and I was starting on Bombas, but it was very much part-time. Yeah. And it wasn't until, we didn't launch until December of 2020. Okay. But it was really early on and there wasn't, you know, there was a handful of brands in the space that were doing it. So the market was just so prime and it was like such an exciting time to like build you know mm -hmm. when do you ever find a category that has hardly any almost yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. well and it, and i that buzz part is the is the fun part so i think i discovered bonbos originally at sachet it was the mm. first product they bought there and then i loved it and kind of just like quietly consumed it and then parker did dry january he, and I was like, well, this is the best thing that I have had from the store. I think you should try it. <laughs> and we're having it, and we're having it like at a kind of like pre-dinner cocktail hour. And all of a sudden, we're really chatting, and he's <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. This is feels like a little bit of that buzz, but not a high. So it's sort of an interesting feeling because if you're drinking it expecting to get drunk or high, you're not going to get that. But it is a buzz. It's and an I, energy. Yeah, yes. It's an energy. <laughs> and it's chatty, and it's fun, and but then it's not like a long lasting or a crash hangover or anything. Like it's just this sort of like slight, hardly noticeable, but then when it's there, it's fun. What, what is that? I don't know enough about the nootropics to understand what causes that, what's in this, what, what's doing that? Yeah, so um, the most commercial nootropic, which nootropics are supplements that support brain function essentially, um, the most commercial one that we all consume, most most of us, at least 90% of the world on a daily basis is <laughs> caffeine. caffeine yeah. right. um, so that's going to give you the instant, you know, the instant boost. Yeah. Um, but we we sort of microdose a lot of what we put or like je we gently dose it so that people can have multiple, okay. um, you know, multiple servings. But the, there's the caffeine. The 5-HTP taken on a sustained basis does make you feel, um, I mean, 5-HTP is uh, a, a serotonin producer, essentially. Okay. And so if you take, I used to take it when I was going to festivals and doing all types of, you know, substance, other yeah. substances yeah. and uh, that would essentially deplete my brain of my natural 5-HTP 
uh, of my natural serotonin. Right. And so what 5-HTP does is it gently like re replenishes your, replenishes yeah. your brain, exactly. And so now I take it if I have a poor night's sleep. Um, so a shot of bombas in the morning, if you've had a poor, poor night's sleep, is really effective. Um, and I, I did this yesterday <laughs> because I had a poor night's sleep. And <laughs> Faye was, you know, we were texting back and forth while she was in town. And she's like, just take a just quick, take a quick shot. Yeah, iced shot of the original. Yeah, the original, just because the spicy yeah. can be like a lot in the <laughs> morning. Lot morning yeah. Yeah. Um, but it also has amino acids that just if if you know you don't sleep well, just like kind of is the basic building blocks of the body. Yeah, you it's know? Like a physical energy. Exactly. Yeah. And then we have a ton of B vitamins in it. Uh. So that's just, you know, gonna give you sort of the big boost. Okay. Um and a lot of like energy drinks use it too, but it's just a ri on top of the nootropics, the adaptogens are like basically mood stabilizers, and they work adaptively. So, if one person um, is operating like in a more like depressive state, which tends to be a lower frequency, adaptogens like rhodiola, ginger root, reishi, ashwagandha will work to like bring you up to your baseline level and then on the opposite side if you're like excitable or kind of operating in this anxious state yeah. it brings you down like homeostasis exactly right. so exactly. truly if robbie and i are operating in different state different brings us together. frequencies <laughs> you know it would bring us sort of it would do something Balance, different to each yeah. of us at the yeah. same time that's yeah that's how it's really wild work. that's yeah. cool yeah, yeah that's pretty wild that's really cool. yeah and like these i mean adaptogens are having like a big moment right now, especially like in the the shroom boom. Mm -hmm. You know, these like uh, mushroom adaptogens are just, yeah, it's crazy. They're magical. All yeah. of all mushrooms are magical, like in my opinion, yeah. not just the, yeah. the magic <laughs> kind. Yes, <laughs> just all. All of them. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, not only like for off for us, but for the entire. World. System, yeah, yeah, system, yeah, the ecosystem, yeah. yeah, yeah. I would love to know a little about the alcohol-free industry in general. I assume it is somewhat like the wild, wild west. There's not a big, long span of alcohol-free beverages that we can look back at and and figure out some sort of pattern and the way people think about it. We've definitely seen over the course of the last three years uh, a huge growth in the number of brands that are sure. know, coming into the space, which, to be honest, is an essential part of the entire category's growth. Uh, a lot of people still think that alcohol-free, uh, you know, alcohol-free drinks are like a trend mm. and mm. that it's going to die out. And even at this stage, with the number of, like, you know, brands, competition creates category. Mm. Um, in a lot of conventional retail, you know, Target, Publix, Wegmans, uh, alcohol-free outside of beer, spirits, wines, still doesn't exist on shelf. Mm -hmm. And so it does take, you know, it, it takes it takes shel a shelf. You need a whole shelf to create shelf space. Right. Yeah. And, um, and so it is a hugely growing category. I think everyone has sort of a different, at least like as a, a brand owner that's in it for, because 
they're passionate about, you know, the space and they have a, um, like a personal mission. Mm-hmm. I don't know what their journey, you know, what their sort of like exit strategy is. Like it could be a lifestyle brand, even though beverage brands are really hard to make lifestyle brands because yeah. they're so expensive yeah. um, to operate. But yeah, I think a, a lot of us are, you know, grow just have trying to have fun with it. Sure. Grow and and if we've raised, we have a duty to our investors to yeah. uh, you know to uh, make stuff to to exit. Essentially, it has to be fun. Yeah. You know, and and that's re- like regardless of the the outcome, which is something that I'm practicing right now. Like, because there are so many obstacles that come up on a daily basis, on an hourly basis. And it really is like how you respond and react to it that determines the quality of your life, you mm-hmm. know? And for me, I just, as if it's not fun, which, you know, it's not always fun, but is this like really what I want to be spending 12 hours of my day on yeah. every single day? Yeah. Weekends included, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I think you have to have a really strong mission behind it to make that happen. So that's, you know, really tapping into the the why, like, why am I doing this is like, is, has been critical. Mm. The fun, I would equate to joy, right? Like it's just a purpose in what you're doing. And and when it, when it works well, you get major joy. Whereas if you're working some shit corporate job and things go well, it's like, this is another day. (laughs) Right. So I love the joy aspect. I I completely relate. Um, A couple lights went off when you were saying that, because when you were talking about the shelving, it's so true. Like if you go to any market, any grocery store and go down the beverage aisles, there's there's water, there's soda, there's fruit juice and then there's mixers. But there's nothing that emulates like an actual beverage, like you said, a lifestyle beverage. There's not a section for that. No. And there needs to be because yeah. there is demand and now is the, there's supply and they're starting to cir- circle around each other. And here oh, we go, for right? Sure. For sure. And the natural, sort of the natural grocers, um, like Sprouts and Gelson's yeah. and um, Lazy Acres and those those places are starting to create shelf space. Um, but a lot of times it's, it's still not in the most desirable locations of the store. <laughs> so I think like when I was in Sprouts and I was sort of scoping out, you know, what options they had, they had like the alcohol, some alcohol-free options and then some like snack innovation. But it was in the middle of the store and it's somewhere that I never go. You know, I never go in the, it's it, like zero foot traffic. Yeah. You would never know. Right. So it's still... You know, the retail and big, big retail has been slower to adopt just because it takes such an effort and you have so many players like, you know, distributors. It's it's such a process and takes years. What, who are they going to take shelf space away from, too? Yeah. And then maybe a little less dog food. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. But but it's happening, you know, and it's, you know, I. I I think by next year we'll see really big conventional grocery um, create shelf space for alcohol-free beverages outside of beer. 
Because bear is the most mature, you know, mm-hmm. category. It's been around the longest. Yeah. You think I, next year? I mean, I'm just like so gung ho about this. Yeah. Um, I think that they'll start to have programs, maybe not shelf space, but like places in the store where they can test programs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, That's great. As early as next year. Yeah. I think exciting. so. Yeah, it's really exciting. Well, and those are those are just the big stores. I mean, now you've got all these small shops popping up Shoppy where there's shops? yeah. <laughs> Did I say that? No, that's like I think the, shops. I think that's yeah. what they're phrasing. Right. Of, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're they're really a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the new age um, market liquor store. Yeah. 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 Exactly. New age curated. Beautiful, and I think that it does give you know young younger brands an opportunity to have the limelight you know um where because there are there's so much innovation happening in food and beverage Mm -hmm. and um yeah it's like it's so cool like the number of alcohol-free bottle shops i think there's i think there must be like 200 now which is wild (laughs) yeah if you live in an area where there's not one you know, There's it's not, not long here. before people start thinking, like, why don't we have that? Can we do right. that? It happens, yeah. well, like, almost, we, yeah. I was just, when we started our podcast two and a half years ago, there was, a, uh, there was like, uh, they were just starting to kind of, there's like, oh, my God, there's one in New York. New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And right. LA. I know, that's yeah. so true. And now that I have one close to me, yeah. it's really alarming how quickly you become sort of spoiled by it. And mm. then all of a sudden when I'm traveling, I'm like, there's not anywhere to go? What is <laughs> that about? Yeah. yeah. Where's the progression? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think, you know, people want it. Yeah, definitely. And it's like a weekly basis where I, I'll get an email and it's like, hey, um, I'm opening up Kansas City's first alcohol-free bottle shop. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. cool, <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Be there for the ribbon cutting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> let's talk women-owned companies. I did see in a little bit of research that I did that that is – Something that you have stated and are and, and are passionate about, and I love that. Um, I looked in the mirror this morning. And I am a white man, <laughs> but <laughs> I, just I I did check, and it, it, I, I still am. Um, but I, in the job that I do, in the space that I am, in the mindset that I am, I often try not to be that or the stereotype of it, um, and I consistently try to learn and, and shut the fuck up is really what I try to do. And so I would love for you to tell us kind of where that drive comes from. I mean, I understand it's probably some past experiences and some jobs that you've had uh, that led to woman-owned company, company, and let's do it, women. I don't have entrepreneurs in my family, so um, it's not from there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, obviously as, not obviously, but as a Middle Eastern woman, um, I also didn't have kind of – my mom was a stay-at-home mom. She looked after the children um, to my dad's kind of command. Yeah. <laughs> and so – and then when things fell apart and my – you know, when my parents separated, I realized how difficult it was for my mother. Mm. Um and I wanted to, I never wanted to be in that position. Mm. And my mum my and dad both gave me an incredible education and gave me the opportunity. I was like a first generation university student. None of my parents didn't 
you know, my dad wow. dropped out actually. Um, but no one in my family had gone to university. So, and I went to like a really good law school. Yeah, <laughs> um, you really set that bar up there. Yeah, and I was just so driven, like even as a child to be the best in my class, like to get the best grades. I like won an award in, in my graduation at high school. Um, and even though I was drinking a lot, education was my savior. So I would like drink in the summertime and then um, focus the rest of the time, you know, because I was, yeah, I just wanted to, to prove myself. And when I, when I got my first job uh, coming out of law school, I really didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually before law school. It was when I was, uh, it was when I was 21. So I think I started really late. Yeah, I started, I started working really late. I'd never had a job before. And um, I was able to use the, the money that I got to fund my, to fund my law school. Mm. I just really wanted to be a model of success for the younger generation. And when I came to the US, I came with a suitcase and I had zero money and I had zero network too. So mm -hmm. I really had to build from scratch. And I really did network my butt off. <laughs> like I was on Tinder networking, yeah. you know? <laughs> um, Any medium possible. <laughs> totally. And uh, I was able to meet someone that got me a job at a brain tech company that then sponsored my visa. But I think having come here and having the odds kind of stacked against me, you know, it was just like even staying was seemed impossible, but I figured out a way to make it happen. And for me, my mission is to to prove to the younger generation that are wanting to be entrepreneurs that no matter what the odds are, like you can find a way to make it happen. Mm. You know, there is a way. Yeah. And if you do whatever it takes, you will, you know, you'll get there. Um, not saying that I'm like the paradigm of success <laughs> by any stretch of the ma imagination, but I think that I've had, you know, those little moments of validation along the way yeah. that have kept me going. And I just, I just have this burning desire, you know, yeah. to, to prove that, you know, a woman of color, <laughs> yeah. Um a someone that's never had role models and and or or you know just all of the things I mentioned yeah. basically that's kind of where it came from. I'm so curious cuz there's a lot of female founders in this space, right? And I've been with you the last 2 days and I see, right? It's like you're dealing with like crises getting product through the border and like calling people that I'm like how do you even know how to get in touch with this person <laughs> and um it's a lot. It is a lot to deal with with a really small team. And I see you're stepping into all of those spaces and you're talking about that hustle mentality, but then also that desire not to be in that rat race, crazy hamster wheel, like still find peace, still find joy. And I imagine that this is sort of an industry wide 
balance, especially with so many female founders? How do you do that? How do you have both the drive and the hustle and also create space to be, I don't know what the word you would use is calm, present, mindful. Mm -hmm. I haven't figured that out fully yet. (laughs) Um, It is something that has been like really uh, prominent in my thinking, you know, and like me trying to, because you're right, like, Honestly, when you're starting something, you will your way, mm-hmm. you know? Like, oh, yeah. I, the people who are like, it just happened. I'm like, I, yeah, that didn't happen. I can't relate <laughs> to that. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's a struggle. It's a challenge. It feels like you're beating your head against a wall a lot of the time. Um, but I think there are really like foundational ingredients in my day to day, which enable me to uh to sort of be the most present that I can be in it on any given day. Sleep is a non-negotiable for me. Mm-hmm. I need seven to eight hours, otherwise I'm half half the human being that I normally am. Yeah. Um I also it's the the, the meditation. If I meditate twice a day, it's an amazing day. Okay. You know, regardless. Um I've been doing more like embodiment man- and so, sort of like embodiment manifestation um, and nutrition, <laughs> really yeah. basic stuff. But it honestly yeah. just, it it allows me to, to be the best version of myself. Yeah. But what I will say is I'm trying to figure out this like masculine grow mentality versus the feminine flow mentality. Cause mm-hmm. a lot of women are in this like really receptive place and synchronicity just happens, you know, like all the time. Like I actually have a roommate and she's like, there's so much synchronicity in my life. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I don't want to talk to you right now. <laughs> there's none right now. <laughs> Um, shut the door in our face. But I, I think it is hard as a woman because we are more of the like flow, receive, like you know, it's it's not the like push, the yeah, productivity, grow. That is like a much more masculine energy. Yeah. And so the struggle I've been having is like sometimes I feel tapped out of my feminine completely. Mm-hmm. And so what are the exercises that I can do to feel more embodied as a woman in this role, you know? Mm. And movement for me has been something that's like, honestly, just like moving, like dancing in any way that I want without any mirrors and like moving energy Mm. has been like super helpful for that. Oh, I love that. (laughs) I think that's true. I really can relate in in the throes of, those moments where you're really in the throes of entrepreneurship. And I, I was never creating a product like <laughs> like you are where I, again, I see there's like so many outside port- parties out of your control. But still, in the media space, there's been moments where when I'm really in that drive space, I just feel really tapped out on my feminine energy. There's like nothing left. There's no room. And I'm and you're sort of in survival mode. And it's like we have to get through. And this there is a lot of need for that more masculine energy to power through those moments in the existing systems. Um, it's a, it's an inch. That's a really, I never thought about it that way, but it's a unique, a really unique way to explain something that completely resonates with me. Yeah. And I remember my stepdad saying like, honey, he has an Australian accent. 
Um, <laughs> he grew up in Sydney, but he's Portuguese. And he's like, honey, like you have to, you have to turn on the masculine energy <laughs> when you're in those environments, you know, like you mean business, yeah. but then when you're at home, you know, soften up recharge and recharge the feminine. Yeah. Recharge the feminine. And it's hard when you're an entrepreneur because you mm-hmm. don't have any time, space, yeah. boundaries. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where's the difference? Where's, Where's that separation between? <laughs> Zero separation. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But creating time and space for it is the only thing. But yeah, it's, we're living in this, like a more of a masculine construct. So, um, of, of, ha- of, I mean, capitalism essentially, mm-hmm. which I, I love, I, I'm here right. to build my American dream, you know? Right. So yeah. <laughs> yes. Get into um, the dog fight. Can't do that as well <laughs> in a socialist structure yes. like the UK, right. you know? Yes. Yes. Um, but, but yeah, it, it it's tough to to balance, you know. Yeah. Well, there, we had this little concept that um, I think we I don't think we coined this. But we heard it and it resonated, which is the idea of an expander. Have you heard of this? So, like an expander is somebody who comes into your life in any way. Like you could listen to a podcast and stumble upon an expander, but something about what they're saying or putting into the universe or building resonates with you, and it expands what you understand to be possible for yourself. And so, I think you know you were talking about what drives you is showcasing for the next generation that women, women of color, might I imagine maybe all minorities, I'm not sure, but can do what has previously felt like the impossible. And I think even just in this moment right now, by building it and by sharing, by being honest about the struggle, but not losing the willpower to keep going. How do people get in touch with you? Yes. Yeah, so for Bombas, we're really active on TikTok. So I would say um, if you're on TikTok, follow us at Bombas. And that's the same for Instagram. Um, and you can buy, you can see where what stockists we're at on our site, bombas.com, B-O-M-B-U-Z.com. And uh, is there anything? And you can order online. online. You can order it through the website. Order through the website, Okay. Yes. Or Amazon. Yeah. And And safe for consumption for people who don't consume. um, Like there's no Delta 8. There's nothing like that in that, right? We didn't get to talk about that, but I think it's an important acknowledgement. Yeah, no. No Delta 8 hemp THC. we do use supplements. So if, you know, someone is taking medication that they think could interfere with, um, you know, the supplements, we would definitely get them to check with their doctor. doctor. Medical yeah. advisor. Okay. Yeah. I just, I think that's important. The space, because it's the wild, wild west, yes. you know, sometimes you don't actually know what yeah. you're consuming. And it's nice to know if you're consuming something that's truly mind altering or if it's just sort of mood enhancing or... Um, yeah. Nootropics or... As yeah, you know. nootropics, adaptogens, um, medicinal mushrooms, no CBD either. So, okay. Yeah. Well, I love your story. I love, I love that you completely removed alcohol for a while, reintegrated, and are constantly in that process of just figuring out what works the best for you. What do you think are the three biggest benefits you've recognized in your own life since becoming intentional and adjusting that relationship? This is who I am. And I'm able to make the decision whether I want to do something or not, not because I feel pressured or um, that I should, you know, should do something. It just makes me feel like I'm more more of myself. And if I do have a drink, it's knowing that 
I'm not going to feel great tomorrow. And that is... It's all right. <laughs> it's all right because I do beat myself up. Yeah. You know? And that yeah, was yeah. so much of my drinking, you know, it yeah. was, and that was like a lot of the pain that I was experiencing. Um, and then the second and third is positive mindset. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if this is also an age thing, but I am just, yeah, I, I just feel like I'm so much happier. Mm. I'm so much happier in the space that I'm in, which is, you know, I very infrequently drink. <laughs> Mm, yeah. <laughs> and uh and it makes me happy truly. Um and then the third it's really good for building. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean motivation um and drive even though drive was like never an issue for me, but the ability to produce at a high level is is there's nothing like it when you're completely alcohol-free. Yeah. You know? yeah, when it's not in your way. Yeah, yeah. exactly, at all. Um, yeah, I think mm. those three things. Great. Yeah. Great. Sound like great benefits to me. <laughs> um, all right, so the last question is kind of our power question. Faye, is why do you care so much? I care because I don't think the world would exist if we didn't care. I think the world would internally combust. And I think love is what makes this world, is what perpetuates life. Mm. And um, it's all we have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's my answer. Perfect. <laughs> I like hey, it. Hey, Bebahani, you're an angel. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for having yeah, me. Yeah, thank you for coming. That was a wonderful conversation. We appreciate you being thank here. Thank you. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are solely those of the host and guests and are not a substitute for medical advice. If you feel like you may need professional help, here are some resources. Visit Patrick Balsley's practice, sanacounseling.com, Robbie Shaw's practice, eventiderecovery.com, or visit theblanchardinstitute.com.